Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast, brought to you by Fund Calibre. I'm Chris Sarley, and today I'm here with Matthew Tong, manager of the elite-rated Lion Trust UK Microcap Fund. Thank you for taking time to speak to us today, Matthew. Morning. Um, could I start by asking you, why did you choose to invest in the UK's smallest companies rather than the big Asian firms or European ones? So from my personal point of view, the way I found myself becoming a fund manager was working at Lion Trust Asset Management, and I started off on their centralised dealing desk. So I was trading equities for all the fund management teams at Lion Trust, and that includes firms, uh, funds that invest in Asia and Europe, and obviously the UK as well. So it was all really for me about the opportunity to join a team that already invested in the UK smaller companies run by Anthony Cross, who I obviously worked with for a number of years beforehand. Um, so it wasn't a conscious decision to say the UK is better than Asia. It was more that's where the opportunity set opened itself up for me. Around a third of the fund is currently invested in technology companies. What type of companies are they exactly and, and why so many? It's a really interesting question. <clears throat> so it all comes back to our investment process, which some of your listeners may be familiar with. But we look for um, a specific type of company that has barriers to competition, which give it um, pricing power, which they get, which it gets through its intangible assets. Now, there are lots of different types of intangible assets. Intangible assets are things you can't see and touch, but things which we still think give, business, uh, give, give businesses barriers to competition. However, of, of all the different assets that are out there, there are three which we think are the most important, and therefore any company we invest in, any one of our funds, has at least one of, the three, one of these three things. They are intellectual property, so that's things like patents, copyrights, trade secrets or know-how. So you might be familiar with some businesses that, are, for example, have lots of patents that would be drug pharmaceutical companies, but software companies often have copyrights over their software because once the code's been written people are not allowed to copy it so they, they often have ip within the software code the second asset is a distribution network and that can take two forms either a big physical global network so if you looked at our large cap funds we might invest in diageo that sells guinness in 180 countries all around the world but all, but in smaller companies there's a more electronic data driven kind of network and this is really where the good or all the service or the data you provide to your customer becomes embedded within their workflow, that kind of data-driven network. So the best example most listeners might know is Rightmove in a state agency where state agents would the customers of a state agent would demand that Rightmove list their property because they want to sell it, and it's one of the most visited websites in the UK. So as part of an estate agent's workflow, they can't live without Rightmove. There are lots of small companies in the UK doing clever things you wouldn't have heard of, but similarly embedded within the customer's workflow. And the third reason is because we look for high contracted recurring income, repeat business. So this is where a company has under contract revenue. Uh, and for us, it needs to have 70% of its turnover under contract. And more increasingly these days, software companies are selling their software as a service, so SaaS, but effectively renting it to, to consumers rather than people paying a one-off fee to use it. So that uh, uh, recurring income. So, off, so if you look at our process, software often ticks all three boxes, which is why we have lots of software companies in, in the smaller companies and microcap funds. As UK companies grow, there seems to be fewer tech firms. For example, there are only 17 in the FTSE All Share and only two by the time you look at the FTSE 100, the, 
the UK's largest 100 companies. Why do the numbers decrease? It's a very interesting question again. Um, and actually, we had through this round the team because to, you know, to get different team members' views. I think we think there are several reasons, first of all. Firstly, the UK doesn't really have um, kind of the venture capital early tech investing on the scale that, that, that happens in America. So that's, that's, that's kind of difference between the market. And also, um, the UK market in general is less tolerant of loss-making companies. So whereas in America you have these big VCs who are willing to fund losses in, in perpetuity, like in the case of Uber, the UK investors are tend to want their, their, com- their companies to at least make a profit. Um, so that kind of, that kind of hyperscaling doesn't really exist in our UK market. Also, we think um, the US has some of these, the, these clusters, so like Silicon Valley would be a big cluster of intellectual property around the tech industry, and the UK probably doesn't have a strong one, although you know, we hope that it's growing with, it, for example, the Silicon Roundabout or what's going on in Cambridge or someone told me there's a, there's, a, um, a, there's a tech canal in Birmingham with lots of tech companies setting up there. So, you know, the UK is growing in that. Um, and I think also probably the final point is that um, the UK companies tend, have tended to sell themselves before they get to that scale. So look at Arm's a great example where, you know, it, it got acquired. Lots of our tech companies will get to a certain size and they'll be acquired by, some, you know, say a US business. So they tend to not hang around as much because the people running them have decided to sell up. Um, hopefully things will improve you know with Brexit um, maybe we'll become a bit more focused on keeping our tech in the UK but yeah I think that's the reason why and why do you look for companies that already make a profit instead of investing in those that, that don't yet um, but could in the future I guess well I think if you if you just take a step back and, and say um, and, and actually look at our process what's the first thing we do we look for intellectual property uh, distribution networks and recurring income and it actually would be quite easy to build a portfolio of say 50 companies all that have great intellectual property some really fantastic way of new way of doing something but as yet haven't quite got into that stage where they're making any money so you could have a, a portfolio of 50 companies that continually came back to the market for fresh financing and half of them of course might might never make it so in terms of uh, in terms of investing companies that are that don't make any money yet, we think it's a lot more risky, and actually picking a winner out of that that basket fifty would be very hard. So we prefer to invest a bit further along the 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 evolution of that business's life cycle where it has already tipped into profit, um, just because really of the risk angle. I think it's something Anthony learns over the years as well. He running the small companies fund for twenty years in the UK. He did used to invest in loss makers, but I think he, he constantly found that they, they were always needing fresh finance and actually better just to just to wait until they got to that uh, to that tipping point. You also like the directors of a company to have at least a three percent stake themselves. Why, why is this? Well, there's two main reasons really. Uh, first of all, there's the whole incentivisation piece. So we are incentivised alongside them as owners of the company, um, and actually. That, that, that manifests itself in a couple of ways. So I suppose the first one actually to realise is that our microcap fund, the average company in it is about 90 million market cap. So that's 90 million pounds on average is the value of those companies. And the average director or the board of those companies own about 20% of the equity. So they have, as management teams, on average, 
18 million pounds of their own money invested in the company. So you can understand if, if that was you, and that's probably your, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you set up a business, that's probably one of the main sources of wealth in your life, you're going to be quite careful what you do. So we love that, that investing alongside that. So it tends to man itself in two specific behaviours. First of all, they tend to take on less debt, which debt is one of the key things that can, that can, that can really destroy a business. And if you get too geared, and then you have trouble with your trading, often your equities can go to, you know, your shares can go to zero because the banks end up owning you. Secondly, they tend to do less risky acquisitions. And just lastly, Brexit was supposed to be bad for smaller companies. Has this been the case? Uh, I think um, Brexit's been an easy excuse for some companies to, to blame for poor trading. I think certainly there has been, um, it has caused issues due to the lack of consumer confidence. And certainly if you look across our fund, we tend to be invested in higher quality small companies so like software companies, they're all, they're all profitable. Lots of them have net cash on the balance sheet. And they tend not to be selling into the classically UK consumer cyclical areas of the market. So places like house building or retailing or, or leisure, we tend to not be in those. So those are the areas I think that have been hit a bit harder by the lack of consumer confidence around Brexit. But what we have seen in the fund are businesses like uh, a Brooks McDonald, a wealth management company, or Tatton Asset Management, we own another wealth manager, and they both reported Q1 this year that yes, people were still opening accounts, but they just weren't really putting much money into the market. So there has been areas of um, weakness in consumer confidence, although this fund in particular has probably been isolated from them, by, often by because of its technology slant. Um, I would say that that seems to have ungummed a bit in the last three months post the, the uh, Brexit vote being delayed till October. And what, what goes along from here, we're not quite sure. But most companies, certainly that we invest in, have already made contingency plans for it. So we're kind of hopeful that when a, you know, when a deal is reached or isn't reached, um, businesses will continue to carry on and, and keep doing what they were doing before, really. Thank you very much for your time, Matthew. Please remember... We've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening. Mm-hmm.